1: All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. Corporate sponsors may from time to time be the subject of buy and or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks newsletter. However, as host of Turning Hard Times into Good Times, Jay Taylor retains the right to provide objective opinions on behalf of subscribers and to his listeners. Audience, regardless of sponsorship, the information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network show and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. When you
2: load sixteen tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper. St. Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store.
3: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor.
4: Welcome. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm also the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks newsletter, and you can learn more about that at miningstocks.com. That's M-I-N-I-N-G-S-T-O-C-K-S dot I want to thank each of you for tuning in to listen to us every Tuesday, and I also want to thank our corporate sponsors. That's, uh, at this point in time, Coral Gold, Hawthorne Gold, and Palangio Exploration. They truly make this show possible. We really, uh, as I've said before, want to make this radio show helpful to common, ordinary folks. The big guys, the wealthy guys that work for Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan don't need us. They're well taken care of by your tax dollars. No, what we're trying to do is help people overcome the burden, that indebtedness that our theme song talks about. We're trying to help ordinary people overcome the indebtedness that we are being thrown into, uh, not in a voluntary manner, but we are being pushed into to bail out the rich and the powerful. Our role here is to help common, ordinary folks defend themselves to build their wealth, at least sustain their wealth through these, what I think are going to be some very, very difficult times. I don't think that we've seen the bottom of this bear market by any means, not at all. I wish that weren't true, but I just, I can't see it for various reasons I don't have time to go into right now. Well, we've done relatively well. So far this year, our model portfolio is up nearly 47%. That compares to a uh, S&P 500, it's up a little over two, two and a half percent or so before today's decline. We have a down market today. Uh, so we've done well and we've uh, since 2000, uh, $1,000 investment has grown to $2,253 as of yesterday. $1,000 in the S&P starting in January of 2000, that same date would have shrunk to $631. So we have truly beat the market uh, but we are not resting on our laurels. We are very, very concerned, as I said, about the global economy, about the U.S. markets. My concern is that we have a certain amount of artificial growth, that really the growth that we are seeing now isn't really market-driven. It's stimulated by government, and governments tend to pump money into systems they are not all-knowing as markets are. They pump the money into the economies, and we have what the Austrians understand to be malinvestment, money spent and resources allocated Uh, in inefficient manners, and that leads to more indebtedness and an inability to service that debt. We think that this is going to play out in one of two unfortunate ways, either in a continued massive deflation of of the financial system, at least, if not the commodity prices, and we think also that um, there is also the possibility of a hyperinflation. Certainly many people believe that. Mark Faber, who we had on here a a number of weeks ago, uh, is of that school of thought. And we're going to ask our special guest this week, Frank Holmes of U.S. Global, what he thinks about uh, where the global economy is going. But first, I want to go to two two of our regular guests, and it's Lena Melissaridis and Chan Lin. Roger Wagan will not be with us this week, and he's in the process of moving from Michigan to uh, the Northwest, actually, to Washington, just a few miles south of Vancouver, British Columbia. So I would like to suggest that you all go to Lena's website, and that is uh, newsimpact.com, and you can check in with us to learn more about Chen as well. Now, I want to start out by quoting something that Lena mentioned on her blog this week, uh, on Monday. She said, and I quote, Another week is starting with the dollar once again strong on Monday, mainly due to the fact that Chinese officials have announced yesterday that China is not thinking alternative currencies for now, and they will stick to the dollar despite all the rumors and speculations of market participants that the country is looking for a way out, end of quote. Now, before I ask uh, Lena to comment, I'm going to just mention that Chen, who's on the line with us. um, Chen, I understand that you had uh, actually an interesting encounter with some very high-level Chinese people on Saturday, this past Saturday in New Jersey, at a birthday party, and some of those things that uh, the topic of the dollar and gold and so forth came up for discussion. Could you just share with our listeners uh, the content of what some of these people uh, had to say and, and maybe just give us a little idea of who the people were that you met with? Yes.
5: Hi, Jay. Um, I went I to a birthday party and I happened to sit with a, a few executives from Chinese banks. Right now it's the uh, top bank, you know, the biggest bank in the world. And also met, you know, like China's representative to the UN. So, as a, because the, the level of the party was pretty high, so there was quite a few dignities there. So I just happened to sit next to them, and we just, you know, have a discussion. Obviously, I always uh, have a lot of interest. To see, you know, uh, one of the first question to them is why is uh, China keep pushing for the imm SDR, which is special drawing Rights, mm-hmm. uh, So that that's uh, that's try to be uh, a new a world reserve currency, or what is uh, China behind it? You know, because right now the SDR is composed of US dollar, euro, and the British pound and Japanese yen. So, you know, it's like uh, it's really helping you know Europe or helping out all the other countries. And you know, they they kind of laugh. They think you know, China try to abandon uh, the the pure of Chinese yuan. And I think you know, this is pretty obvious. China wants to put. The Chinese currency, in the part of SDR, to be the world reserve currency. That's mm-hmm. you know it for the for them for them it seems okay. You don't know that you know it, it's like it seems like everybody on the table knew. So I yeah. <laughs> was the only person. Uh, so there. So it kind of okay, good. You know. So at that point, that was very interesting. And well, Chen,
4: let me just ask you: your feeling then is that uh, contrary a little bit to what Lena was saying, is that the Chinese probably do want a way out of the dollar, or at least to diversify out of the dollar. They don't want to run out in a hurry, but um, perhaps what you think the Chinese were saying uh, in the quote that Lena picked up, that, or the uh, idea that Lena picked up, that the Chinese were essentially trying to allay, allay the fears of, uh, of people that they would run out of, the, out of the dollar. They're trying to sort of provide some propaganda to keep people calm and not try to beat them out of the dollar, perhaps.
5: Exactly, and uh, from what I heard is that China is going to try to stick with the dollar you know as long as they can, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they will try to keep a stronger dollar because it's to china's interest mm-hmm. uh, to, because they have so much dollar reserve, if everybody dumping dumping dollar is not good for China, and also China has the interest actually to see United States recovery uh because uh, China, United States is the biggest customer of China, so China right. wants to want to export more. So they have all the interest lined together. So uh, what came out of the table? I don't think China would dump U.S. dollar you know, not any time soon. On the contrary, China probably want to buy some U.S. bond, try to keep interest rate low, and you know, try to keep you know things okay. If you know if, if things is okay, unless really you know dollar crashes, a lot of things really bad to happen. China will try to. St- a quo.
4: Okay, Chen. So, let me just ask you because we don't have a lot much time. What about gold? Did, were there some comments on gold and the need to to own gold as another currency or as another uh, you know diversification tool?
5: Exactly. So I asked them about the gold. China accumulating gold. They think it's, Everybody thought it's a good thing, very good thing. And then to be part of the reserve currency, China's gold level is way too low. You know, compared with the United States, United States had eight thousand pounds of gold and China only have 1,000 pounds of gold. China is one-eighth of the United States. So in order to raise the Chinese currency status so China currency can be a potential part of the SDR, China will need to increase the gold holding by very large
4: amount. Okay. That's good, uh, Chen. Thank you for that. Lena. I just want to turn to you just for a couple of comments on the European scene right now. What are your thoughts about the dollar or euro at the moment and uh, anything else you want to throw in with respect to uh, how Europeans are viewing the global markets these days.
6: Hello, Jay. Um, yes, sure. Uh, the dollar we have seen um, uh, we, uh, quite strong yesterday uh, on a Monday following these comments of the Chinese officials. And today, um, traders are getting ready for the next event which is gonna be on Thursday, the ECB rate meeting and everybody's waiting for in the sidelines especially for the Euro um, bulls which are out there and buying the Euro um, since Monday. Uh, I believe now the next important thing is uh, the economic numbers that we have from today until Thursday, because traders are monitoring every single data that comes out of Europe in order to see and realize what Trichet will say on his speech. At the moment, we're expecting the rates to be unchanged, uh, but, however, we need to hear what Trichet says uh, in terms of monetary policy and decisions, also the uh, economic recovery, which, although... Uh, the same way that it is in the United States uh that everybody says and talks about economic recovery, still we find that the economic numbers out of eu are not as strong and as um resilient to the current uh, economic conditions
4: all right uh, what do you see then the dollar the dollar euro going forward? Mrs. Taylor and I are going to uh, Portugal in September. Are you gonna <laughs> give me a strong dollar before I go?
6: I do think that the euro has um, a few rallies to attend to in the in the next coming days because of the return of the risk appetite in the market and, therefore, the dollar weakening. However, I believe after the summer, maybe July or August, maybe we're going to have another run in the dollar and the dollar will be strong again. And I believe that the ECB at the moment do not want the euro dollar to go over 150 for sure. So, basically, I believe that for the next couple of months, the euro dollar will Probably trade from 135 to 145.
4: Very interesting. Uh, I, I think that uh, Chen, we're going to have you on again uh, in the last section of this of this show today. Uh, do you have any thoughts about any of the things Chen uh, Lena just mentioned?
5: Oh, I'm I'm, I'm not uh, very expert in European currency. Okay. But I... What
4: about what about the yuan? What about the Chinese currency? Do you think there's the people that you talk to, do they have any sort of uh, hope that their currency will be the world's reserve currency, or are they not talking about that?
5: Well, they want to be part of the reserve currency. Certainly, they want to be part of the reserve currency in Asia. Mm-hmm. And also, one another point I want to point out is the Japan and China relationship. They mm-hmm. always rival to each other. Right now, China has almost twice as much gold as Japan, and China probably, I see, after a meeting, will likely to increase the gold holding. And then in the meantime, Japan, also sitting on large U.S. dollar reserve, I think they will probably likely to match China's the increase of gold reserve. So all these come out would be very bullish for gold. All
4: right. Good, Chen. We're going to have you on the last segment of this show uh, to talk some more about that and some of your investment ideas. And now uh, that's all the time we have at this uh, break before the break now. But uh, you don't want to go away because we have coming up our special guest this week, Frank Holmes, the CEO of U.S. Global. And Frank always has some unique insights that are really worth listening to Uh, you can't afford to go away folks Uh, so we'll be right back
1: up-to-date business and financial news call now and get the financial information you need 866-472-5790 866-472-5790 the experts are here voice america business network Business Owners Speak fills a long-neglected niche in the national media coverage of American business. The myriad of challenges and opportunities facing small business owners and entrepreneurs.
3: Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters.
1: For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada, dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today. At coralgold.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You load 16 tons.
2: What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store.
3: You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. Give a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program.
4: Welcome back. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. And this week, we have Frank Holmes as our special guest. And I had the pleasure of interviewing Frank for my newsletter a number of years ago. Frank is the CEO of U.S. Global, which company manages a number of funds, three of which I personally hold in my own Um, In my own retirement account, uh, Precious Metals Fund, the Resource Fund, and the China and Asian Fund, Uh, you may not be aware that uh, U.S. Global, the company that Frank uh, heads up, is also a public company. It trades on the NASDAQ, I believe, under symbol GROW, G-R-O-W, selling at about $9 a share these days. most of you know Frank very well because he's a frequent guest on CNBC and Bloomberg and other major media, uh, but his uh, his background is impressive enough, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of it. Uh, Frank was selected as the 2006 Mining Fund Manager of the Year for my, by the Mining Journal, a leading publication for the global natural resource industry. He is also the co-author of The Gold Watcher, Demystifying Gold Investing, Frank is engaged in a number of international philanthropies. He is a member of the President's Circle and on the Investment Committee of the International Crisis Group, which works to resolve conflict around the world. He is also an advisor to William J. Clinton Foundation on Sustainable Development in Countries with Resource-Based Economies. Before purchasing and controlling interest in U.S. global investors in 1989, Frank Holmes I worked as a research analyst, a portfolio manager as well for, and the managing director of corporate finance with a Canadian firm. And Mr. Holmes is a much sought after keynote speaker at investment conferences. He is, as I mentioned, a regular guest of CNBC, Bloomberg Television, and, and other major media. Frank, welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times.
7: Well, thank you for this opportunity to speak to your uh, listeners.
4: Well, it's a pleasure to have you. It's a real honor to have you on, Frank. Um, you are very well known, as I said. Uh, I'm sure most, if not all, of our listeners are very familiar with you. However, they may not be all that familiar with the U.S. Global Fund Group. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, U.S. Global and perhaps briefly talk a little bit about um, your investment philosophy?
7: Um, Our investment philosophy is is quite simple. It's how we also manage the company. As you mentioned, uh, U.S. Global, the ticker symbol is GROW, G-R-O-W. we focus on the return capital model. It's very much like uh, Buffett, uh, the, that thought process. And then we look for some simple value drivers that in picking stocks. And what we found when it comes to resource stocks is it's the uh, production, cash flow, and reserves per share are the three value drivers. And when you're not in resources, it's uh, revenue per share, profit margins, and cash flow that drive that return capital model. Uh, we have no debt. Uh, we like companies that have no debt or little debt and uh, we believe uh, our policy is to squeeze uh, pennies until Lincoln screams. <laughs> and uh, so that's our, our thought process. And we like CEOs that also have the similar discipline and commitment. Uh, and when it comes to looking at the world of flying at 50,000 feet, we have created a simple model of comparing the G7 to the E7 and what we notice is that the, uh, the growth in this world in the past nine years has predominantly come from the E7, and that's the emerging seven most populated countries in the world. So we track these seven, and these seven countries which we track, which is beyond the BRIC uh, countries, mm-hmm. are about 50% of the world's population, whereas the G7 are a little over 10% of the world's population and we're witnessing still continuous growth out of the E7, and the correlation of commodity demand is very, very strong with the economic development of the E7. And then when we look at this E7 versus the G7, we look at government policies, either monetary or fiscal, and then monetary breaks down to interest rates or money supply, and then fiscal is basically tax rates, corporately or individually, and where expenditures are taking place. What we've noticed, Jay, Mm -hmm. is this the Kuznet cycle, the father of the noble lord uh, from Harvard to create the GDP number, his Kuznets cycle is very significant found in our theory of looking at these countries. And that is a 20-year Kuznets cycle, so it's basically when there's government policies for infrastructure spending, that there'll be strong demand for commodities and there'll be strong demand for job creation, which lasts about 20 years. Rather than giving out welfare checks uh, and quick social benefit programs, it is much better to have long-term social uh, uh, infrastructure spending. So we've noticed that the countries that uh, are, are focusing a big part of this fiscal spending in this past year to help the world, uh, those which we think are be most significant are ones that are focusing on infrastructure spending.
4: Well this certainly is a big theme, isn't it Frank in China? Uh, even here in the United States there's some talk about it. I'm not sure how we're going to pay for it, but uh, uh, but uh, that certainly would be in India as well, I suppose. Uh, these are, are major themes throughout the around the globe at this point in time eh?
7: Well, what's important in Asia is the most significant. Truly, is China, and China's made this well known. The U.S. was diluted. What was committed to be infrastructure spending quickly was diluted. And what we saw in India is that they've had a cutback, forcing the poll, the election the changes there. are Actually, beneficial. There's no real change, and so there's just, there's commitment. But when you look at India, they have too much debt, Jay, to mm-hmm. really go out and show some some muscle mm-hmm. to put money. In of big money to infrastructure spending compared to the Chinese. Uh, we're seeing much more spending out of Malaysia. Uh, Thailand is not going to ramp it up. But what's important to your listeners is that there's about $800 billion in Asia is going to be spent on infrastructure, and it's shifted but the total number of 800 billion is still similar to last year. That has not changed, but who's spending? So the Chinese have picked up the spending. India's dropped because the balance sheet of China is stronger. China's not gonna spend money on exporting products in the ports and systems, but they're spending a lot of money on uh, wiring all their uh, power plants, so there's more electricity consumption throughout the rural area. Mm-hmm. They're spending much more money on railway systems internally between cities, not on the coastline. So this continuous spending is important, and what I think is, Japan is also committed to spending about six hundred some odd billion dollars uh, in infrastructure spending. And when you add it up uh, over the next five years, there's still about two point four trillion dollars committed to this this long term Kuznets cycle spending in Asia.
4: Well, so this would be very very bullish then for um, for commodities in general, I guess energy as well as the base metals.
7: It is very bullish for the, those asset classes in particular because there's been a lack of exploration development of many of these resources to maintain what was taking place. And we go back to the 70s when we had the last energy spike crisis, 73-74. China and India, which is about 40% of the world's population, had no global footprint. They were basically gnats in the back of an elephant's backside. And uh, today they are very significant with policies for growth. And so their consumption is very strong, whereas the supply for these commodities cannot keep up with a population. Back in the 70s was 3 billion. And now you're pushing six and a half billion people.
4: Wow. Incredible potential demand there, Frank. But you know, um is it really going to happen? I mean, um, you're alluding to the fact, you say that India has too much debt really to make it happen now, is that right? Or to really get on this infrastructure kick?
7: They can't spend like the Chinese are spending. Mm -hmm. They don't have that balance sheet capacity. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the important parts is that Singh uh, is still in as the president, and he is committed to infrastructure spending and will do everything that's possible to, to help uh, catch up to where China is spending. That is important, but his ability as his financial muscles is not as great as the Chinese.
4: Okay, so the story is China and some of the other Asian, Malaysia and some of those countries in terms right. of infrastructure spending.
7: But the demand for um, uh, for oil from India is not going away. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important uh, when you take a look at uh, that, that sort of longer-term cycle. Uh, and the lack to me as I see this continued lack of exploration development uh, for these resources. And uh, I think Eric Be- uh, came up with a recent uh, slideshow showing that such as gold is going to fall off for the next five years from supply for mines. Uh, we can show that for many other operations of, of mines around the world, uh, but the world in Asia continues to spend.
4: Well, Frank, you said something that's a little bit disturbing to me in terms of the infrastructure spending in the U.S. I thought that was supposed to be one of the ways we re-stimulated our economy was through infrastructure spending here in the U.S. We certainly, living in New York City where I live, know that the bridges and and various things uh, certainly do need some upgrading. Uh, are you saying that that's not going to happen in the U.S.? We're not going to see no, it. No, it
7: does. You're not seeing that commitment yeah. uh, that you're that you're seeing in these other countries. And most of the deficit spending is not going towards infrastructure. Where is uh, it going? There is a percentage of the dollar dollars. Uh, it's it's helping our financial institutions yeah. to get some stability, but I, I think it also comes, Jay, that we're we're caught up with with our populist policies. Yeah, and and populist policies are are have always have good intentions. I truly believe that the um, uh, the politicians and the regulators they want to have good intentions. But if you take a look at the FDA before a drug gets spread right out into the public. It goes through all these beta sites as tested so that the law of unexpected consequences uh, is, is not so negative. Yeah. And uh, a governments are coming with lots of populist policies which there's no testing. And, and I think that that's where you run into a risk. Uh, and a lot of these populist policies are based on jealousy and envy. Mm. Whereas in Asia, the populist policies are very focused on job creation through infrastructure spending and uh, social stability. That's the difference. So hiring a, a salary cap czar and all these issues that are really caught up with jealousy and envy are distracting from the idea of creating jobs.
4: Right. Frank, we only have about a minute before our break here, but I, and I want to get into this notion of, uh, of potential inflation coming down the pike as a result of this. But I was just thinking in terms of what you were saying we, I mean, those those kind of populist expenditures that you're talking about over in Asia and Indian places are really building up infrastructure. They're long-term investments, and I'm wondering if our if our populist uh, expenditures aren't more leaning towards immediate consumption and gratification, which obviously doesn't have lasting uh, effects in terms of building wealth, does it?
7: It doesn't, and no, that it clearly doesn't, and. Uh, and then we're also trying to deal with these populist policies with with protectionism, and uh, and that just runs up another cost, uh, and that does not help.
4: All right, so we're going to be right back with Frank Holmes after the break. Here we want to talk a little bit about uh, get his take on inflation. Uh, Mark Faber, who we've had on this show a number of weeks ago, is very very concerned about it. And we want to hear what Frank has to say about uh, inflation, and even if deflation might be possible, we'll be right back. <laughs>
3: Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become too case or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters.
1: For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today. At CoralGold.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business you load 16
2: tons What do you get Another day older and deeper in debt St. Peter, don't you call me Cause I can't go I owe my soul to the company store
3: Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program.
4: Welcome back. I'm here with Frank Holmes, the CEO of U.S. Global. And, Frank, before the break, we talked uh, a little bit about uh, inflation. I wanted to ask you about your fears of inflation. I noted that we had Mark Faber on our show here some time ago, and Mark uh, has recently been talking about the inevitability not just of inflation, but hyperinflation. What are your thoughts on that?
7: Well, I, I, since 2001, I've been a bit deflationist, Jay, and mm-hmm. uh, gold's gone from 250 to 1,000.
4: Deflationist,
7: you say? Deflation. Mm-hmm. And, and what gold always performs very well whenever you have big deflation or big inflation. Mm-hmm. Either one, gold is a wonderful asset class because gold is quite boring. What is really volatile, the currencies around it. And so it's recognizing that the, the volatility of those currencies come from government policies, and that's why we track them. But for 80% of the time since 2001, We've had negative interest rates, and whenever we have negative real interest rates, that is, what we make on our um, money market funds after, inflate, after any, any form of inflation is negative, gold always performs as an attractive asset class. So why would we have negative interest rates? Because the government is worried about they need to stimulate the economy to keep it going because of deflation.
4: Mm-hmm. So basically paying you to, take, to borrow money in, in essence.
7: Yes, and it's just recognizing that. Now, what triggers we've seen in in our analysis, what will go to inflation, is when the unions start to uh, dominate thought process with the government. And whenever you get unionism and protectionism, like we had in the 70s, uh, where Thatcher came in to to basically redo the U.K., and Reagan came in and fired all the air traffic, Whole tower, uh, uh, union, etc. We went through that whole process. Well, that's what drives that in price inflation when everyone starts fighting with each other and strikes are going on, and, and you have you get price inflation mm-hmm. comes from protectionism.
4: Sure, you, you avoid you eliminate the co- the global competition that way you can raise prices domestically.
7: Correct, yeah. and that is the real fear. When will, when will that take place? And we're seeing some of these, these models that are being put out are forms of taxation, and that's a worry about uh, the administration's, you know, injection of capital in March the 10th or the 11th, et cetera, which is very important to get the economy going, but immediately that's being taken away with forms of taxes. And are those taxes actually going to go back into sustainable infrastructure spending uh, to maintain job creation, and it doesn't appear so, so that is the worry regarding uh, the U.S. dollar.
4: I uh, would like to switch topics a little bit here, Frank, and talk a little bit about getting back to China and the decoupling notion that we had a few years ago. Some of us were hoping that you know, if the West went down, if US, uh, the U.S. economy, European economy got weak and the U.S. consumers finally stopped spending as they have, that China would pick up, uh, would pick up the slack and that their economy would grow fast enough to overcome, uh, to offset the declines from, uh, U.S. consumers. What are your thoughts? Is that, is, uh, clearly it hasn't worked that way, but what about going forward, uh, with all the stimulation that's going on in China? Is that possible?
7: What we have to do is separate two things. What took place last year had to deal with, uh, deleveraging of balance sheets forced with FASB Mark to Market 157. That caused a spiraling down with $1 trillion of hedge funds were forced to redeem And some of these guys were short high PE uh, stocks with high P.E. ratios Mm -hmm. and long stocks with low P.E. ratios, and after they were forced out, the the stocks with the high P.E. PE ratios went higher, Jay, Mm -hmm. and those who were undervalued went even more undervalued (laughs) in that redemption. And what you saw is that as they were forced to blow out all these stocks, and they were long resources in emerging markets, uh, you saw the banks also cancel letters of credit, everything in desperate, because they had to basically try to shore up capital, and they were unable to, well, $1 trillion of margin calls went out. And, and basically, those were loans in US dollars and Japanese yen. And last year, the VIX went up, the dollar went up, and the yen went up. With the rest of the world, all commodities, all asset classes were unraveled. That's very different than the sort of economic policy of what Asia's policies are for this decoupling. What we are seeing is that is that consumption in Asia is going to continue to grow domestically faster than what we're seeing in Europe and North America. That's something that's slowly going to uh, grow, and it's going to grow because of those policies. Um, but we have to recognize, though, is that the U.S. GDP and the European GDP is still very significant on a global positioning, and uh, so that the coupling will happen overnight.
4: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to take time. It takes time. So uh, getting back to this infrastructure issue again uh, there's some of us I don't know if that I, I don't know if I'm included including myself in this issue or not but in this thought or not but uh, Andy Shea, who is a uh, economist who used to work with Morgan Stanley I don't know who he's employed with now but he is I saw a paper that he's written he's really concerned that the Chinese government is really creating an artificial boom and stimulus that is not sustainable because he says it's not from the bottom up it's not Market driven, it's it's uh, policy driven. That is money thrown into the system. But I guess you don't quite share that view. I mean, uh, based on what you were saying earlier, you're you're very bullish on uh, on the Chinese economy based on the stimulus coming through the uh, construction and infrastructure building.
7: You know, there are good points, Jay, and, and as you know, I've always been bullish on their policies. And, and I've I've heard this. You know, the Chinese banks are bad. This is bad. That is bad. But uh, none of the Chinese banks have been as bad as Citigroup. <laughs> Uh, and so when you start to you know drive that through, it becomes a factor of looking at the people's policies that they have there. And it's very simple. Their policies are for social stability mm-hmm. and a means of creating jobs. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, and so everything they do is fine-tuning those two pillars, which they believe are critical for the Communist Party to stay in power. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that's very different than what Europe is doing and what the U.S. is doing. Uh, on, on some those, of those policies. And uh, and so I don't think it's as, as, as bearish as, uh, uh, as this individual is. You have to go over to sea. You have to go to China. Yeah. Um, it, it's just remarkable to see the activity, the development that's taking place year in, year out. Uh, I'm always so impressed with it. And the same thing when I was recently in Singapore. I was just shocked about how many construction cranes, and they're looking to make that the financial hub of all of Asia and also the Monaco. In the huge casinos and uh, their whole business model, and wherever you look in Singapore, you see nothing but construction
4: cranes. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. I think there. This is a historical period in the world. You know, in the world's history, I think we're we're seeing some major changes now. Would you agree with that? The West probably in relative decline. Asia is picking up. So let's hope. Yeah. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but
7: yeah. But uh, you know, America's a great country in respect that it's resilient and. Uh, uh, the people will turn around and start to com- and, and raise concerns, and, and the more people should write into their politicians. It doesn't matter what party you vote for, and express your concerns. Mm-hmm. Express Absolutely. your concerns about taxes. Express your concerns about infrastructure spending, because the politicians will rel- they're going to listen to what some of the media people have to say, and then they're going to listen to what their constituents say. And more people have to take an active role of writing into the government. Is what my thoughts are.
4: Absolutely, Frank, we got to, we've got to touch on gold here. We've only got about three minutes left. Sure. Gold and gold shares. Your fund, your group of funds, is very unique, and I think you're unique in the sense that you understand the value of gold in a diversified portfolio, how it can really enhance returns without adding risk over the longer term. Now you've recently done a study using what I refer to as Markowitz portfolio diversification theory. You have introduced gold, I think gold mining shares and perhaps gold into this model and have demonstrated that you can, that you can get better returns with the same level of risk, risk being defined as the variance of return. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that study that you've recently talked about and and sent out to U.S. global uh, investors?
7: Well for the first time in twenty years we've seen um, gatekeepers, the SCI pension fund consultants, uh um, Frank Russell, whatever, the like Morgan Stanley, they've all been advocating a position in gold, mm-hmm. a five to eight percent weighting as that we've seen. And a lot of that thought comes from the impending amount of debt that's taking on the balance sheet of the US government and the concern that inflation is gonna be coming and applying the efficient frontier to having some gold to the portfolio is healthy. So we said, okay, well, take Marcus' model. Let's update what our research has shown before. And, sh- and what does this mean to an investor based on that thesis that uh, you should have a waiting? We've always said a waiting in gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just, it's just a healthy thing to have. Uh, it's like car insurance. You want to make sure you have it, but you don't want to have to collect on it. Uh, And the same thing, having gold in your portfolio, and we've suggested investors always to rebalance and catch the swings, but you don't buy gold to get rich overnight. It's a form of portfolio insurance.
4: Well, absolutely. I think, Frank, you talked about an optimum allocation from 1971 to the recent, I guess, till now, of something like 15% and 85% in the S&P, was that what the studies showed? Yeah, you know, it's a good point,
7: Jay. Each year it shows you a different percentage. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years ago it showed right. that in 06 that the best number was something like 25%. Sure,
4: but well I guess that depends it is where
7: you're in the 5% to gold stocks. And rebalance the cash, so when you get these huge moves in gold, you take some profits off and you buy your other uh, asset classes, such as some of your fixed income and, and, and the money market funds and, uh, and some of your general equities uh, and to maintain that position. And then years and gold is down and the other asset classes are up like they were in 98, 99, then you be, should be buying gold because they're on sale.
4: Okay, Frank, we're just about out of time. I've got to ask you real quick, bullish or bearish, oil and gas, long term?
7: Uh, long-term, uh, constructively bullish. Uh, it is um, uh, more and more environmental rulemaking that is anti-oil. Just means less of exploration development. The world continues to grow, and it just means that uh, we're going to get more spikes in oil on the upside. Gas is the cheapest. It's a, it's a, it's 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 amazing how inexpensive
4: and it is at these rates. Natural gas might be a good long-term buy then at this point in time. Yes, Frank. I'm sorry, we're out of. Out of time now, folks. You really have to go to the U.S. Global website and learn more about Frank's work and the, the various companies. You really do have a chance to diversify your portfolio, and we use a number of these funds in our own model portfolio that we send out to our subscribers or suggest to our subscribers. So you really want to go to usglobal.com. Is that the uh, is that the website, Frank?
7: Usfunds.com.
4: Usfunds.com.
7: Usfunds.com. And we just did a a huge webcast of 70 slides of around the world. I've just gone toured right around the world updating what I found in Asia for all the investors. And then uh, we partnered with CLSA, uh, which is the top analyst out of Asia, and did a whole special on on China from Shanghai.
4: I believe that's an audio and verbal. Is that right, Frank? Correct. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Frank, for being with us. You're a wealth of information. And, folks, please do follow up with Frank. Uh, We'll be right back with uh, Chen Lin for the wrap-up of this show.
1: Business Owners Speak fills a long-neglected niche in the national media coverage of American business. The myriad of challenges and opportunities facing small business owners and entrepreneurs are addressed at ground level in a positive, business-like manner. We face the realities of meeting payroll and being completely dependent upon the success of a business for which we alone are responsible. So loosen your tie, business owner. Bring along your own experiences and log on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network.
3: To know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters.
1: For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada, dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today. At coralgold.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You load 16
2: tons. What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store.
3: Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program.
4: Welcome back. Uh, well, I hope you had a chance to listen to Frank Holmes and, and go to his website. I think uh, Frank has a tremendous amount of, of good uh, wisdom and uh, intelligence and a lot of great, a lot of great Funds to invest in uh, under one roof, so you can switch around and buy different funds depending on where the market is. And that's what we try to do in our newsletter: uh, is to use some of Frank's funds as a means of diversification, depending on which way, uh, which sectors we want to be in at any given time. Well, I'm here now again with Chen Lin. Uh, Chen has become a real good friend of mine, and as I explained once before. I learned to know Chen when he came to visit me. I was a speaker at a conference in New York City, and he had seen me on BNN and realized that we had some interest in common in terms of the way we were investing. And uh, Chen would constantly give me ideas about investing, but I was so darn busy with, with my work and uh, writing the letter and so on and so forth, and I told Chen, you know, why don't we just – we have the back office capability here. Why don't we just start a newsletter – called What is Chen Buying and What is Chen Selling? so that he could share his good ideas with a lot of different investors, not just with me. And so that's what we've been doing, and it's been working out very, very well for Chen and for his subscribers. Um, Until recently, uh, or I should say just last weekend, Chen shared with me documentation showing how well he has done investing uh, in a family IRA that he has He's turned $5,400 back in 2002, at the end of 2002, into 425000 as of, uh, well, just this past week or so. Uh, and so he's done phenomenally well, and this is why I think uh, this is a wealth of information. Again, we had Frank Holmes on. Chen Lin isn't really as well-known as Frank is at this point in time, but but quite frankly, I think he may be if he continues to do as, as well as he's been doing. Um, Chen, welcome. Hi, welcome back. thank
5: you. Thank you, Dave.
4: Uh, you know, Chen has come up with some great ideas, so let me just ask you, Chen, you, any ideas you might want to share with us uh, today, with our listeners?
5: Yeah, um, one one of the stocks, actually, I was asked on the radio show, I think last week, um, mm-hmm. is the Africa Energy. Uh, I originally recommended uh on my newsletter and also on, on the radio show, I believe, briefly. uh having Last time with the, the quarterly statement came out, they had some problem with the cash issue, so I was like a little bit back up a little bit. you know i don 't want to see the next oil let go and then they came out with a deal, which is a very good deal. I believe they clean up the balance sheet there's no more debt on that. They sold about one third of the oil production for about a hundred million and then and now they have more than thirty million u s dollars on their cash in the balance sheet, and then the rest of two thirds. Still, market still recognized worth one hundred million. Oh. That's amazing, right? So it's a you know it looks you know trading at one to two times cash flow. You know yeah. if you even put in like fifty dollar oil.
4: Fifty dollar oil and where where's oil trading today? It's up closer to seventy, isn't it?
5: Seventy, right? Down a little, you know down down to below seventy. So it it tremendous cash flow, uh, very clean balance sheet, no debt. As always, I like no debt, yeah. clean balance sheet. Extraordinary undervalued. So now I can say, okay, so I'm, you know, i I'm buying. I bought some today, I bought some yesterday, you know, after reading the news, and uh, you know, I was, I also still was holding a lot of them before. So I can now, I can say, recommend to everybody, you know, this is a good buy now. <laughs>
4: sure, Chen. Uh, what is the name of the, the company and, and the symbol again?
5: It, it's Asica Energy. It's the uh, I Idea Apple Edward Adventure
4: okay. uh, in Canada. And it's selling at what price about?
5: Uh, right now it's about 69 cents Canadian. 69 so it's a market cap about a, a hundred, a little bit over a hundred million US dollars. So, you know, that's, uh, and then the cash flow can easily, if all your goals are a little bit higher, they can easily have a hundred million cash flow. So, okay. And then they have no debt now and, you know, and uh, 30, more than 30 million cash on the balance sheet. So that's great, fantastic. So I was very pleased.
4: Yeah, it looks very interesting. It really does, uh, folks. You can learn more about Chen if you want to, and actually, we have a, a thirty-nine dollar one-month special offer for Chen. That way, you don't have to to put out a lot of money just to try his letter and see if you like it. And Chen doesn't make you read a whole lot, like I do to my subscribers. I mean, you can. He sends out these alerts, and he sent out a hundred and four alerts since we started working together back in February of this year. So you see, you're getting an alert about you know more than one a day almost I, I guess or, or or one every couple of days or so. So Chen just comes out with succinct little short ways, uh, short blurbs about what he thinks makes sense for you to invest in, and they're companies that he's already put his own money into. So he's just basically sharing with you what he's doing. Uh, now we're not guaranteeing any kind of returns like Chen has provided for his own family for a couple of reasons. First of all. Chen invests and reinvests and all that. We're not providing that level of detail in terms of how you should weight your portfolio, when you should sell, how much you should sell, and all of that. That's really up to you. So, but Chen's recommendations, even if you just blindly put an even amount of money into each one that he recommended, are up very nicely this year, I think up 25 or 30 percent or so, so far this year. So, you might want to consider taking out a trial subscription to Chen's letter. Again, call my assistant. Uh, Claudio Bossi, that number is 718-457-1426. 718-457-1426. And it's $39 for a one month trial subscription. Now, I'd like to just make a few comments about the markets before we wrap up here. Got a couple of minutes left to go. As I noted earlier in the, uh, in this program, we are up uh, very nicely so far this year, about 47% on our model portfolio and our low budget low maintenance model portfolio is up about 38% and that's a portfolio we put together for people who don't want to have to pick individual stocks but they want to buy a fund of funds and there's where we use some of frank holmes funds at the moment uh the world precious minerals fund is is in our uh in our low budget low maintenance model portfolio but it's also something you might want to consider uh and you you can also get a um i think it's $59 we're providing a trial subscription for 3 months Now, I'm very concerned about this market going forward, and I really truly believe that we are looking at a very major decline in the equity markets, and we could see the commodity markets and gold stocks go down with them to start with. I'm still very, very bullish on gold as much as I've ever been, uh, and I think you must own gold for some of the reasons that Frank Holmes talked about earlier today. And, uh, but, but we'd welcome you as potential subscribers. So please, also you can call Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426 for my letter. Go to my website at miningstocks.com as well. Um would also just like, before we sign off here, to give some thanks to some of the people that make this show possible. That would include Tacy Trump, my executive producer, and Ruben Colon and his team of engineers. Uh, who really uh, keep me on the time schedule here and keep me from going too far off the deep end. So that's about all we have time for this week now. Until, uh, Until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you.